Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Wonderful. No, I cannot see you, but I pray for you every day. And I pray that you're healthy and you're staying healthy and you're keeping safe and your families also. I know we're in a really, really, really difficult time. And I found a wonderful article by the wonderful Father Roger Landry. He is a very terrific and holy priest who I met some years ago and um, would trust anything he says or writes. This is an article that he wrote for the uh, National Catholic Register, and it is four virtues needed to help keep your eyes on Christ in this crisis. And it's very good. And you know, I always say, or often say, that nothing touches us that God does not allow. Nothing touches us, including this epidemic, regardless of its origins, uh, motives, uh, whatever it is. Um, nothing touches us that God does not allow. And um, I cannot tell you God's purpose for allowing this, but um, if I needed to guess, I would say it is because of our sins because over 60 million babies have been murdered in their mother's womb since Roe v. Wade, um, because we are a nation now and, and a world living in complete debauchery, turned from God. And I would say this is God's chastisement. Um, and if you say, well, what kind of a God would do that or allow that? I would say the God who loved us and gave himself for us and wants us to be done with sin and convert and repent. And as he's spoken throughout all the scriptures, turn from our wicked ways, turn to him. If that happens, this will have been worth it. In the Old Testament, God brought plagues and even the majority of people died from them. Uh, but those who live turn to God. And the nation grew. And I don't know what God has in store, uh, what he is going to allow, but I think that's our stand today. We need to turn from our wicked ways and turn to God and live as a people of God, not as a people of the world. And so, um, whatever we're going through, there's four, four virtues Father Landry wrote needed to help keep our eyes on Christ in this um, in this crisis. Um, and the um, uh, commentary says that St. Charles Borromeo reminds us that troubled ages like this are times for Catholics united with Christ to truly shine. And I think that's true. Um, I also think it's time for many Catholics to repent and turn back to God and live their faith without compromise. 
And Father Landry writes, during the 1576 plague that menaced the northern Italy city of Milan and eventually took 25,000 lives, the civil government fled the city out of fear. The Archbishop of Milan, St. Charles Borromeo, took over, assured the people he would not abandon them, and together with priests from the parishes uh, and religious orders, he began to care for their material and spiritual needs. He organized hospitals. Um, Let's see now. And he cared for orphans and brought the sacraments to those who were quarantined in their homes. What music that is for us today. Brought the sacrament to those who were quarantined in their homes. He got priests to offer masses in public squares and the middle of streets so that people could participate from their houses. He sold his personal goods and much of the diocesan treasury to feed the hungry, and he had the tapestries of his residence converted into blankets to warm the poor. Now there's a, there's a bishop's response to a plague. As a good shepherd, he was willing to risk his life to care for both the souls and the bodies of those entrusted to him, and he was able to persuade so many of his brother priests to join him, recalling how Christ died for them first. He declared that Christ does not even request this pathetic life of ours, but only that we put it at risk. Did you hear that? I'm going to repeat that. Recalling how Christ died for them, he declared that Christ does not even request this pathetic life of ours, but only that we put it at risk. He challenged them to pay attention not only to what can kill the body, like pestilence, but also to what can harm the soul, commenting, the devout souls of our brethren languish with desire for divine things. And providing them, he argued, it is not a small matter. Um, excuse me, yeah, providing them is not a small matter. I will certainly, this is the quote from St. Charles Borromeo, I will certainly say that the sick do not need our assistance in such a way that without it they would have no hope of salvation. But often our services are necessary, he said, beside Besides, it is indisputably clear that we all understand how much the sacraments benefit not only the bad, but also the good, and how much alleviation they usually bring to the sick body, and above all, to the soul solicitous for its salvation. End quote. The greatest illustration of that point was how he scaled a mountain of corpses to give absolution and viaticum to a man at the top of the heap who had been placed there prematurely. Can you imagine that? Climbing way over dead bodies to get to a man who shouldn't have been placed on the heap of dead bodies. He wasn't dead yet. The example of St. Charles Borromeo of courage Tied to charity is a mirror for the church and her leaders in every age, most especially at times of crisis. 
as all of us confront the corona the coronavirus, we can all profit from how Saint Charles Borromeo put the Catholic faith into action in the most demanding and dangerous circumstances. I would heartily recommend reading Monsignor uh, John Keak's support superb 2017 work, Charles Borromeo, Selected Orations, Homilies, and Writings. Monsignor John's John Keak, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's C-I-H-A-K. His superb 2017 work, Charles Borromeo, Selected Orations, homilies, and writings. To become courageous like he was, what virtues do we need? What virtues? And he says there are four. Number one, faith. And you say, well, I have faith. What's the next one? Yes, but there are all levels of faith. There's true and false faith. There's shallow and deep faith. All different levels. All different kinds of faith. But if it's true faith, it's a gift from God. But still needs to grow. The first is faith to recognize that Christ, who promised to be with us always until the end of time, is good to his word. Faith, likewise, helps us trust in God's providential care. There is a temptation in times of crisis to try to take control even over things that human beings cannot control. This can come from a practical atheism. You hear that? It can come from a practical atheism, from living as if God doesn't exist or doesn't care. Faith inspires us to do all we can, but in tandem rather than apart from God, knowing that our life is in God's hands. You know, beloved, this certainly applies to our current crisis, but applies to the family. Wives taking control and making the home miserable. Well, my husband doesn't do it. It's because you don't trust God to grow him up. You take over. Don't take over. Don't take over. None of us. Don't take over what is God's to do. Live our faith. Live our virtues. And God will do the rest. So the first virtue is faith. The second, prudence. Um, Prudence helps us to discern the good in each circumstance among many competing goods. And to choose the right means to achieving it. I'm sorry. And to choose the right means, um, I, uh, to choose the right means of achieving it. It helps us set a proper rule or measure something desperately needed in times of crisis when certain goods can be emphasized out of measure needed in times of crisis when certain goods can be emphasized out of measure and others can be forgotten. I think I messed up that sentence a little, beloved. There's the music for our first break, and um, we will continue this when we come back, and then at the uh, half-hour break, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts. Uh, the toll-free number, I'll give it to you in advance, is one 877 511-5483 and the email is mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. It's so good to have you join me on Mother Miriam Live. We are in uncertain times for sure. But we also know that our dear Lord assures us that he is with us always. Even in this dark night, we must press on. And God willing, the coronavirus will help us lead people back to life, family, and faith. I would urge you to support the good work at LifeSite News that is bringing people back to these most basic fundamentals of humanity. Right now, LifeSite News is in the midst of their spring fundraising campaign with the help of a generous family. LifeSite is doubling every monthly gift of this year up to $120,000. So I would urge you, beloved, if you can, to become a monthly supporter to help sustain their pro-life and pro-family journalism. To donate, click the link in the comments of this video or visit lifesitenews.com forward slash 2020. Thank you and God bless you for your generosity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and we are in the middle of an article by Father Roger Landry, and the title is Four Virtues Needed to Help Keep Your Eyes on Christ on Christ in This Crisis. And we've just uh, covered the first one, which is faith, and the second one is prudence. And let me just uh, reread uh, two sentences from this. Um, uh, prudence helps us to discern the good in each circumstance among many competing goods. Now, some people say, I don't have prudence, but you do, because it's one of the gifts of the Spirit you received at baptism and then in a, a greater measure at your confirmation. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you have prudence. You have all the virtues. Um, it's just a question of uh, walking with God and using them uh, they could lie dormant if we don't use them and if we don't develop them. But prudence indeed helps us to discern the good in each circumstance among many competing goods and to choose the right means of achieving it. It helps us set a proper rule or measure, something desperately needed in times of crisis when certain goods can be emphasized out of measure and others can be forgotten 
Aristotle and St. Thomas Aquinas after him taught that moral virtue is a middle point between two extremes, deficiency and excess. Compassion, for example, is the mean between apathy and sentimental indulgence. Courage is found within the extremes of cowardice and recklessness. In this present circumstance with the coronavirus, in this present circumstance, prudence can help us to see that an overabundance of caution is not a virtue, but a vice. Prudence focuses on the right measure of caution, balancing, for example, the duty we need to protect those most vulnerable to infection by, quote, flattening the curve, unquote, through social distancing, hand washing, and various other practices with other needs like providing for one's family, nourishing one's soul and others, providing goods and services, etc. Prudence assists courage in helping people know how to take the right risks. So we're not reckless, we're not cowards, but we uh, act with prudence and protect our families and ourselves um, by taking the right actions. So faith, prudence, and the third is charity. Um, Charity helps us to sacrifice ourselves for the good of others. No one has greater love than this, said our Lord. Jesus said during the Last Supper, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And charity motivates us to take risks, even dangerous ones, to protect and provide for those we love. Moms and dads, even the most temperamentally timid, and um, uh, and cl- conflict adverse. Let me read that again. Um, here, moms and dads, even the most temperamentally timid and conflict adverse, instinctively protect their children in the face of gunmen, bombs, and tornadoes. Instinctively protect their children. The greater the love the greater the audacity. Courage does not mean fearlessness, but doing what we ought despite our fear. And love gives us the strength to overcome fear and do what love demands. Isn't it beautiful? I want to read that again. The greater the love, the greater the audacity. Courage does not mean fearlessness, but doing what we ought despite our fear. And love gives us the strength to overcome fear and do what love demands. That's beautiful. And finally, the virtue of patience. Um, patience means principally not an ability to wait, but a capacity to suffer. Do you hear that? Patience doesn't mean an ability to wait, but a capacity to suffer. The word patience comes from the Latin patior, which means to suffer. That's a surprising fact to, to us, huh? Which is why we call the sick in hospitals patience. Thank you, Father Landry. This is a wonderful um, teaching here um, that most of us didn't know. I didn't know this. Courage requires that we do not have an excessive fear of pain. And if we are fair of where 
our fear of pain ultimately derives the fear of death. In the present circumstance, many, including young people at very low risk of serious consequences from COVID-19, are terrified of contracting it as if it were an automatic death sentence, even though for 80% of those who get it, the symptoms are mild and pass like a cold or flu. And only those whose bodies are compromised by old age or other serious health conditions are in serious danger. We should all be doing everything reasonable to prevent transmission out of concern for those who would be most vulnerable, um, conscious of the reality of our health care system, um, that our health care system is inadequate to handle more than 120,000 people in ICUs at the same time. We need to work together to ensure that no one dies when medical services received promptly could save their lives. At the same time, however, we should not be giving in to an epidemic of fear as if catching COVID-19 is getting leprosy or stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Hysteria based on fear of pain and death does not help. In the Imitation of Christ by Thomas uh, Akempis, 15th century spiritual classic, uh, Thomas Akempis advised us that the easiest way to overcome the fear of death is to ponder it each day. Quote, in every deed, in every thought, act as though you were to die this very day. You know, beloved, I've done this at times. Um, uh, if I have any fear, if I, um, you know, even giving a talk, uh, I may not be up to it. I may not be up to travel. I may not feel like it. But I tell myself, just imagine this is your last day. You can't give what you don't have. This may be the last opportunity you have to give the truth to those who will hear this. The last opportunity. And at that moment, there's no ton of vitamins or anything else that could energize me but that thought. I won't be alive tomorrow. This is it. And I give it my all. It, it's helped me through the years. It's tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. It overcomes fear. If I'm afraid, I say, shame on you. You won't be alive tomorrow. This is your only opportunity. You see? It's a wonderful thing, and all of us should be considering death every day because every day we say, today is the first day of the rest of my life. Well, it may be the last day of your life. We never know that. We have no idea what's going to happen a minute from now. We have no idea. And we may not be alive. So every day should be uh, the best day of our life. Every day we should prepare for death. Father Landry says, once we start doing that, we start taking every day more seriously. We do not procrastinate on telling family members and friends that we love them. We ask forgiveness from God and those we've wronged while we still have time. We let pass so many things that in the final analysis don't matter much. And we start to get our real priorities straight. When we pray each day, our Lord's last words from the cross, Father, into your hands 
I commend my spirit. We become emboldened like Jesus, not to have our life taken from us, but rather freely to lay it down. When we're not afraid to die because we've rehearsed it daily in prayer, we will be ready to offer our life without fear should that prove necessary. Crises, like the present situation of the coronavirus, are times for Catholics united with Christ truly to shine. As salt and light and leaven, Catholics are called to help everyone else to become courageous in the face of the threats, to be willing to act, to help others and save their lives, and to show everyone how to unite their situations to God. It is a time for Catholics to show that we truly believe Jesus' words. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And like waves of apostles and martyrs throughout the centuries, and saints like Charles Borromeo boldly lead not only in response to people's material needs, but to care for them, for their even more important spiritual needs. Father Landry, thank you. That's a beautiful, beautiful um, article. And we say to people, you're courageous, you're fearless. Well, no, if you're fearless, then you can't be courageous. Uh, Courage works against fear. It's only because we are rightly fearful. There are things we should be fearful of. Only things that we are rightly fearful of that we can exercise courage. And I'll tell you from our parish here in Tulsa, um, the pastor has, the pastors, uh, two of them have been sending out emails uh, daily, um, uh, letting us know the church is open these special hours for adoration every single day. Um, and uh, confessions will be heard. Um, and, um, oh, the, oh yes, and he has uh, asked anyone if they are in need of food, if they're older, if they're sick, if they're weak, and they're in need of food or, or uh, medical assistance or anything whatsoever to call the parish, because there's a, a whole group of young people, young people and healthier, older people who are standing by to help to go to homes, to go shopping, to do what's ever needed. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Nobody should be hiding in fear. Now, if someone is older or their system is compromised, um, don't be a foolish, courageous person because that doesn't amount to courage. It can amount to foolishness. We need to be, there's one of the four virtues, we need to be prudent. So we need faith to know that God is in charge. Is in charge. We need prudence. Um, we need charity, and we need the fourth one. See, I forgot it already. Patience. Patience. What a wonderful thing um, that the word patience comes from the Latin, which means to suffer. Patients in hospitals suffer, and for us to be patient is to suffer, to be a patient, to suffer. Um, Boy, that's a good way to remember it. Patience is to be a patient. That means to suffer, and to suffer well, because we have faith and we have charity. Um, uh, And we have prudence. 
There's the news. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. The Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Not only women being hurt by abortion, but men being hurt by abortion. If you've got a Y chromosome, you just have to shut up and pay for the abortion. Last time I checked, and I'm no biologist, but it takes two to tango. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross and iCatholic Radio for The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Uh, to Mother Miriam Live. It is good, 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 good to be with you. Um, aren't we privileged? The, so much is happening in the world. Thousands of people are dying, and not just from the coronavirus, but from wars, from all kinds of things. And here we are, yet alive, yet with a faith, um, yet with a longing uh, for eternity. Um, and most of us, all the means we have to keep alive um, on earth and to help other people. So we are, beloved, the richest people in the whole world. And there's a rich brother we have on the line. His name is Kurt. Are you there, Kurt? (laughs) Kurt from Boston, my friend. How are you? I'm okay, Kurt. I'm still okay. How are you? Good. You know, you're talking about Father Roger Landry. He's from the Fall River Diocese in Massachusetts. Indeed. And his his twin brother goes to St. Agnes with me up in Arlington. Whoa, okay. Very good. All right. And I got to talking to him. But what I would like to say is it's ironic. Charles Borrow, St. Charles Borromeo, I believe his feast day is November 4th. Am I right? I'd have to look it up. But go ahead. He's the hymn. He's the hammer of heretics. 
from what I understand. Okay, and, that's good. <laughs> and my my middle name is Charles, and my birthday is November 5th. Oh, come on. Oh. All right. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I like what you say, and I like what Father Landry says. Yes. And, you know, I... Sure, I'm fearful, but, you know, there's a lot of times and a lot of things in my life I won't get into it. You know, you got to say, I'm done with this. I'm doing this. And, you know, you you, you move on, and that's grace operating in that's your exactly in right. physical world. That's and perfect. I get sick and tired of it. Like, you know, I say, like, these priests, oh, you got the online mass. You know, I've been telling every priest, get out there and do a procession. Go out there and come down these streets, all right? I'll be the altar server with you. I'll mm-hmm. be out there with the incense. I know. I have no problem with it. I know. And, you know, I try to say two to three rosaries a day, but the whole thing is is, is this. Like, I went to a private mass uh, on, on Friday, and I got the sacraments received on the tongue. We even had holy water in the font. And, of course, I coughed once, and everyone thought I had the coronavirus. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, but the thing is, is I try to tell everybody what's going on. You know what I mean? And I even told my own parish priest, get out there. And, and he was looking at me like, ooh, you know. And, and everything's on the Internet. I go, look, I, if the Eucharist could come through the screen and put it on my tongue, I'd love it. Okay. But, you know, I went into adoration yesterday. I feel bad. You know, I try to tell my grandson, listen, you got a dispensation from Mass, but you're going to read the Gospel of John. Now read it. You got to do something. You know what I mean? You know what, Kurt? You you just should be, you're a sergeant. That's it. You're a faithful Catholic sergeant. That's it. And people need to decide whether to obey you or not. So there. But if they obey right. you, they're generally obeying Christ. I know that. You're a but dear you know, my, soul, Kurt. But my, my problem is, is this. And I even said, listen, Josh, I'm sorry if I came down on you. But, you know, you've got more faith than I did at 16. I didn't even know who our Lord was. And I said, I'm just trying to tell you. That's I right. know, Grandpa, but it's all you talk about. You talk about the faith, and you talk about Trump. I says, right. Because okay, one I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you, Kurt. I'm going to. I'm going. No, no, just for time. But also, we want to uh, be careful right. with names and all that. But your dear, you dear, dear prayer. soul. God bless you, my you brother. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're in my prayers. All right. We have an I, email from somebody who writes in anonymously who says, Hi, Mother. Our diocese and the surrounding ones have no more Mass for the public. An SSPX church is offering Mass. Can we attend and receive Holy Eucharist? Thank you, and God bless you. My answer is yes. Um we are generally not to go to SSPX churches because they are yet not in communion with the church. But uh, the church says that if there is no other mass available, you can go. So the answer is yes. Um, and I'm 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 thrilled that they're open and offering mass. That's that's really terrific. So now maybe that is a thought for others. If there's an SSPX church in your diocese. Um, where you can go, uh, that, that would be an outlet for you, I believe. Um, and, and in saying that, I'm not speaking against the church or the mass or anything of that sort, but, um, 
uh, I know Cardinal Burke has come out with a, a new article on the um, uh, how, to, how in favor of not canceling the mass and all of that, and he's the top canon lawyer of the church. So, if if SSPX, you're not you're not in disobedience if you go to an SSPX church during this time. We have, <clears throat> we have a text from someone who writes anonymous and says it is acceptable. Is it acceptable for a Catholic who is living with her boyfriend to be a Eucharistic minister? Absolutely not. She's living in sin. Absolutely not. And you, if you say, well, they're not intimate, it doesn't matter. We are to avoid scandal and the near occasion of sin. She should not be a minister of any kind in any, um, she should not even be um, going to Mass, let alone be a Eucharistic minister. She needs to repent and leave her boyfriend. <clears throat> we have a text from Rob. He says, This Easter I will be baptized into the Catholic Church. Yahoo! <laughs> Rob, that's so good, so good. Um, he says, I am sure that sometime after I become Catholic, I will want to receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Well, um, that's for sure. Okay, you're going to be baptized, and so you haven't been baptized before. Um, so if this is the first time you're being baptized, you don't need reconciliation. That's, that's true. But you say, I'm sure that sometime after I become Catholic, I will want to receive the sacrament of reconciliation, and I will second that. Yes, you will. When I go to confession for the first time, will I have to confess sins? particularly mortal sins that I committed before I was baptized into the church? If so, why? The answer is no. The answer is no. If you're baptized for the first time, you haven't been baptized before in a non-Catholic Christian church. If you're baptized for the first time, you are a newborn babe, like the thief on the cross, absolutely fresh, and the first sin you commit will be the first sin uh, held against you, so to speak, uh, for which you'll need to confess. And so, um, and the fact is, if you were, uh, if you committed grave sins before you were Catholic, um, they wouldn't be mortal. They'd be just as grave, just as serious. But for a, for a sin to be mortal, which means death, it kills your soul from God. If you weren't baptized, then you, your soul was not with God. You, you did not have a saving grace. Um, for a sin to be mortal, it has to be grave. You might have committed murder, adultery, whatever it was. Those are grave sins. But you, to be mortal, to, to be death to your soul, you need to know it's grave that will kill the life of Christ in you. And you have to do it with full freedom and awareness. And so if you were in Catholic, you wouldn't have had all that as a non-Catholic. I came from a, an evangelical Protestant background, and um, uh, I remember someone said to me, you know, you could not have committed mortal sin, whatever your sins were, because you were not Catholic, and you didn't know what the Catholic Church teaches and requires. So, no, when you are baptized, you confess all sins, even sins you're not aware of following that time, not prior to it. 
We have a question uh, on Facebook from someone who writes anonymously, I was wondering, are priests required to say a Mass every day? You know, <clears throat> I think I'm not up to date on that one because I would have said yes uh, because I think it used to be the case. I don't know that it's the case now. I was told by a priest that it's a suggestion but not binding. Uh, that that disheartened me quite a bit. But um, uh, apparently priests are not required to say a Mass every day uh, in, at this stage of the church, according to canon law. And so um, I wish every priest uh, could not stand to not say a Mass every day. I wish they wanted to say a Mass every day uh, rather than being required. But apparently many priests do not say a Mass every day, and, and it seems that they're no longer required um, as of this modern day. We have a... Um, Facebook question, also a question on Facebook from Tom, and he writes, there seems to be an increased interest in relics of the saints. I have a couple of questions. What does it mean to venerate a relic, and how does one do that? And then what kind of power do these relics have? Do we receive some kind of special graces for venerating relics? And then a follow-up question, is there a danger of putting too much faith in the power of a relic? Um, all right. A yes to everything you've written. Um, what does it mean to venerate a relic, and how does one do that? Well, uh, we have some relics here um, at uh, the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, and uh, we take them out. It depends upon the occasion. Uh, we might keep one with us, depending upon the situation. Um, how I venerate a relic, we normally, uh, even if you're in a parish, let's say it's the uh, um, Exaltation of the Cross, and maybe a parish has a relic of the True Cross or a relic of St. Ter- uh, Teresa, uh, Mother Teresa, uh, or the Saint uh, Teresa of Lisieux, or others. Um, usually, people will come up and give a little uh, bow and and kiss the relic. Um, that's to venerate it. And you know, um, it's not idolatry. I, I could tell you that. Um, uh, I have pictures of my mother, uh, who died years ago, and I could take a picture of her, and I could hold the picture up. Here, I'll hold a piece of paper up, and I could say, I love you, and I, I, I of course I love her. And I, she's not dead, she's alive. She's more alive now than she was when she was on the earth. That's my um, my prayer and my assumption. Um, and so, uh, it, it's to, through that photograph, which is less of a relic than a piece of someone's clothing or a bone, something of them, um, it is a piece of what belonged to them. And when you venerate a relic, um, even like a statue, even like a picture, but a relic is even closer to that person, it's a part of them, um, and there's uh, more grace involved with a part of a saint, um, but you're basically loving that saint through that relic. Um, 
can the saint impart grace to you? Can this, can the relic do anything of its own? It cannot. It's lifeless. But in praying to that saint, just as when we stand before a statue or a picture, um, or even without any relic or visual, visual aid, we pray to that saint. And yes, uh, God through that saint can pour out graces on us. Absolutely. Um, the power, uh, the, the relics, not in and of themselves, but God through the relic, and and can give the same power to bless us. Um, and uh, yes, we would receive a kind of special grace for ven- venerating relics. We're asking that saint for his or her prayer. Can we put too much faith in the power of a relic? Yes, almost like using it as a rabbit's foot. Yes, we can do that. Our, the grace comes from God through the saints. There's the music for our second break, beloved. We'll be back. You may call in with anything on your heart. Um, don't go away. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Hello, beloved. It's so good to have you join me on Mother Miriam Live. We are in uncertain times for sure. But we also know that our dear Lord assures us that he is with us always. Even in this dark night, we must press on. And God willing, the coronavirus will help us lead people back to life, family, and faith. I would urge you to support the good work at LifeSite News that is bringing people back to these most basic fundamentals of humanity. Right now, LifeSite News is in the midst of their spring fundraising campaign with the help of a generous family. LifeSite is doubling every monthly gift of this year up to $120,000. So I would urge you, beloved, if you can, to become a monthly supporter to help sustain their pro-life and pro-family journalism. To donate, click the link in the comments of this video or visit lifesitenews.com forward slash 2020. Thank you and God bless you for your generosity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother 
Father Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our last segment, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Again, it, it needs to be your issue, not what we're speaking about necessarily. Um, and the toll-free number, one 511 or email at mother at We have a question from Heather, who says, I met a nice young man who serves as a cantor in his parish. He said that they do traditional Catholic music, by which he meant more modern songs like Gather Us In and Be Not Afraid. He had never heard of hymns like To Jesus Christ, Our Sovereign King, or chants like the Tantum Ergo, which I consider to be more traditional Catholic music. Not that there's anything wrong with new or contemporary music, but I am concerned that young people will never know some of the treasures of traditional music that the Church has. Do you believe that there is a certain music repertoire that every Catholic should know? How can we ensure that this music is not lost forever? Well, I tell you, Heather, <clears throat> excuse me a moment. <coughs> excuse me, that's just a tickle in my throat. It is, through the Novus Ordo, it, it is largely lost. It is largely lost. Um, the way it won't be, there's two ways for it not to be lost forever. Um, one is to increase the Latin Mass in Latin parishes, and then it won't be lost. Um, and the other is to introduce uh, what indeed is traditional Catholic music into the Novus Ordo Parish. I attended, when we got to Oklahoma, a Novus Ordo Parish um, that, uh, that in the priest uh, learned the Latin Mass and began to celebrate it daily, so we were very thrilled. But when we first got there, there were all those uh, songs, Gather Us In and Be Not Afraid, and all of that. And gradually, some people came to the church who wanted to help with music, and it was totally changed around to traditional music, including Tanto Ergo and um, all of that. Um, all the old, beautiful, beautiful songs. And the the pastor loved them, the people loved them. <clears throat> Some people left, they didn't love them. But um, people can't adopt what they don't know, what they haven't tasted. So I would say, um, if if you're part of a parish, to get a really beautiful hymnal, uh, the Lumen Christi is one of them, um, uh, St. Michael's Hymnal, I think, is another. Some very good hymnals with wonderful hymns. And they also have the music there, the keys. So um, they can begin to try them out and work in uh, uh, truly more Catholic music uh, and some antiphons and all of that. It, it's a slow change. But um, remember, patience means suffering. So, <laughs> so we could keep that in mind and just try to help people. Just try to help people. Uh, we have an email from Reuven in Brooklyn, my my country, Brooklyn. And he says, as Catholics, I understand we are not bound by the dictates of the Mosaic Law. But as I read through the Old Testament in places like Leviticus 19, which outlines various rules of conduct, I wonder how it came to be that the church decided to dispense with some rules, but kept others. For example, things like dietary rules 
and rules about care of the body are out, but rules on things like marriage and tithing remain today. Do you have any thoughts on this? Absolutely. What was given in the in the Old Testament, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books, and Leviticus is right in the middle of that, um, was given to Israel to set them apart. Um, they uh, they left Egypt, uh, <clears throat> came through the Red the Sea, and and God brought them to the foot of uh, Mount Sion, and they were at the foot of Mount Sion for one solid month. And during that month, Leviticus was written because God gave the law through Moses. And Leviticus is how the Ten Commandments, how the law for those Israelites were to be lived out. And they were to be a nation that stayed together. They, they had a collective calling, not individual like we do individually into the Catholic Church. But that was a people and they were living in the midst of an entire world that was pagan. God took them out of that world, and he set them apart to be a peculiar nation. And they could be a light to the other nations by staying together, by living their calling, and by adhering to God's laws, which were dietary, as you say. Um, even their clothing had to be of a certain material, their uh, worship um their hierarchy uh everything they did their feasts everything they did and didn't do was given by god everything and by living that the nations around them could look at them and say hmm that's peculiar <laughs> it was they they were set apart by what they did and didn't do, the way Catholics are supposed to be set apart by what we do and what we don't do, and shamefully uh, we've uh, mixed in with the world. But Israel did not. They were called as a people. And so they were set aside by dietary laws, what they could eat and could not eat, which you'll see that when Peter in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, tried to follow that, our Lord chastised them. He wouldn't eat pork and all those other things. And the Lord said, Peter, don't you call unclean what I have made clean. The law was our schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. God gave so many laws to the Jewish people, and their complaint was that they couldn't keep it. And instead of keeping it, they made up laws they couldn't keep, which was against what God wanted. God wanted them to see that they're too sinful to keep all those laws and cry out to God, your law is holy and righteous and good, O Lord, like you are, but we're sinners and we can't keep it. And what they should have said is, help, we need a savior. But they didn't say that. They said, we'll just make up other things we can do. You see, God wants us to know that we need him, that we fall short. Um, so for the Jewish people, it was law. They they had to eat a certain way. Not It wasn't for their health. They had to eat a certain way. Uh, they had to keep certain rules. They had to keep certain customs, certain worship, certain laws. It was for their salvation. Now, if any Jewish person comes into the church, which is the fulfillment of Judaism, and they want to keep some of those old laws, they're perfectly free to do so, but it's not salvific. It's not for salvation. God no longer requires that. It was required as long as a people was to be set apart through whom the Messiah would come for the whole world. And once he came, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, 
but to fulfill it. It wasn't to be kept by anybody else. Um, and again, if there are Jewish people who still keep those laws, they're, they're free to do so, but it does not count for salvation. It is their culture and their custom that they want to keep. There's nothing wrong with that, but it is not wrong and it is not sinful. Um, okay, and uh, rules like marriage, that's a sacrament, which and, and tithing uh, is not a sacrament, but marriage uh, came straight from uh, the garden, Adam and Eve. Uh, God joined two people, and they were to be uh, joined, and nothing was to separate them ever again. That's why um, uh, that's why marriage is forever. There's no such thing as Catholic divorce. Um, so, all right, beloved, there's the ending music, and we will be with you tomorrow to continue. And again, feel free to call in um, or send your emails or your texts. God bless you, stay safe, and help all those in need. God bless you.